0: Hello, hello! It's Donna, and it's time for Tea with D. So I wrote this um, blog post, and now I'm kind of sharing my thoughts on it because I keep getting asked about this topic, um, and I think it's super interesting. So today, tea time, we're gonna talk about charisma or the elephant in the room. So. The first section I called charisma. Haters gonna hate, but I'm not one of them. So charisma. So depending on your perspective, this word is either deeply alluring or anathema. It signals an appealing construct you would have or would like to have or something that's to be sacrificed on the altar of logic. And I don't think you have to take sides. The argument goes something like this. Having charisma makes you fake, manipulative, a politician, a poser, a wannabe, and so on. And generally the people saying that don't possess it anyway. And those in favor of charisma will collate it with charm or magnetism, something that pulls them, something they want to have, something maybe they already possess. And almost everyone In those categories believes that charisma can't be learned. But if you could learn it, what would you do with it? Consider this. A scalpel, you know the little pointy knife thing that surgeons use, so in the hands of a surgeon you can have a very different outcome with a scalpel than in the hands of a psychopath. So does that mean that scalpels should be banned? Well, no, it's about the intention and the skill of the application, whether it's a scalpel or it's charisma. So before we even talk about whether you can learn it, what would you do if you had your own scalpel of charisma? So what the heck does charisma even mean though? I've talked around a clear definition and there's a reason for this. Charisma has differently nuanced meanings depending on the source you look at. So I'm gonna give you examples of this. I'm not making this up. So the Merriam-Webster dictionary gives it two definitions. One, personal magic, a personal magic of leadership arousing special popular loyalty or enthusiasm for a public figure such as a political leader and two, special magnetic charm or appeal. The Oxford English Dictionary gives two definitions as well. The first is compelling attractiveness or charm that inspires devotion in others. And the second is a divinely conferred power or talent. And the Cambridge Dictionary also gives two definitions. A special power that some people have naturally that make them able to influence other people and attract their attention and admiration. And the second definition is the ability to attract attention and admiration of others and to be seen as a leader. So, three world class English dictionaries, three sets of definitions, and look at the words used. Personal magic special magnetic charm compelling attractiveness divinely conferred special power and ability to attract and those are pretty non-linear if i do say so myself and there's also hints of people following other people um, in each of these two so they don't mean exactly the same thing do they so if they don't agree then why should any of us take sides? No one needs to die on this hill. So I want you to look or listen or think closely, depending on how you're hearing this information. What you don't see in these definitions is a whole lot of overtly negative stuff. It's when you get into the subtle variations in words like power and influence, and admiration, and so on, that you begin to see where things can be interpreted as either good or bad. But we do need some kind of common understanding about charisma if we're going to talk about it, because this idea and skill set matters. So, I propose that we use the word charisma like this. And I wrote it down. Charisma is the ability to authentically engage others in ways that result in the recipient experiencing positive self-perception as a consequence of the interaction. Doesn't that sound very dictionary-ish? So this is just a fancy way of saying, making people feel good about themselves, but not by sucking up, kissing ass, or being fake, but by being interested, interesting, genuine, and present. Works for me. So how do you know if someone or you has charisma? So let's, let's talk about the straight goods here. Most people feel that charisma is a good thing, especially when they have the charisma or the charisma works on them. Many people also feel that it isn't something they possess. It's reserved for the Chris Hemsworths, the Barack Obamas, the Jennifer Lopez's, and the Marilyn Monroes of the world. You have to be born with it, along with a generous helping of good looks. Which, if we face it, isn't in the cards for most of us. Most of us are solidly okay. So, I'm going to take a little time out and I'm going to say a little bit about good looks and style and charisma. Okay? So, the first thing. Honestly, honestly, honestly. And so many people have been stuck looking at their own faces for months now um, that this might be very much a touch point for you right now. But I want you to hear this. Good looks aren't everything. And we know, we know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, that it's totally true. Except for Chris Hemsworth. I don't think there is a woman or a man on this planet that doesn't agree that he's you know so other than that it's it's actually more important that you have your own style that encapsulates your authentic personality and there's going to be other times i talk about authenticity and all of that but for now your style encapsulates your authentic personality so think of people like andy warhol or amy winehouse kate middleton samuel l jackson So it's more important to have that style than be attractive, in my opinion. And it's fair to say that none of the people I listed were born dressing like that. I mean, sure, they very likely worked with stylists through the years, but what they had or have isn't actually the invention of someone else. It's it's actually an extension of who they are or were. We can actually feel that difference and that's the magic sauce. So we sense that that these individuals have something that is intrinsically unique, so authentic. And this is how they present themselves to the world, and we respond to that. And this isn't necessarily about liking their style. It's that we recognize that style is at play. So does style matter when it comes to charisma? Well, according to Olivia Fox. Um, I think it's Cabanne, but she mostly goes by Olivia Fox, author of The Charisma Myth. It most certainly does. How you look, like it or not, affects how people perceive and react to you. And it's not as simple as Birkin bags and Manaloblanic shoes either. You can be wearing designer labels and be regarded as inauthentic. In fact, it happens a fair bit of the time. Um, and if you're inauthentic, you're uncharismatic. I don't care how expensive your purse is. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules of humanity, sadly. So the question I ask then is, can style be explored, crafted, and learned? Absolutely. So check out my friend Lauren Messiah's world. At www.laurenmessiah.com for evidence. At least that's one fewer thing for you to worry about with charisma. So if charisma doesn't equal attractiveness, then what is it? So again, referencing the work of Fox, she identifies three components. You may have heard of these. Presence, power, and warmth. She argues that these three concepts in varying strengths define charisma. Admittedly, these seem pretty abstract, but like, how do you know someone has presence, for instance? Well, there's actually a lot of stuff that can be pinned down and we're going to have a little quick look at it. This isn't everything. So first of all, presence. Basically, presence is being 100% here or there as the case may be. It means that you truly listen, give your entire attention to a person, stave off distractions, including the ones in your head, and ask thoughtful, curious questions. And don't be precious about it either. Just be a human, okay? And your eyes are the key here, tied to a concept called microexpressions. So, the area around your eyes is actually the most mobile and therefore potentially the most expressive part of the human body. Um, You can tell, and we're all getting practice with this now with masks, right? This part's covered, and we're seeing how somebody feels. Observe. Simple, but you get the point. We are hardwired to monitor the area, these areas of people's faces and decide whether they're really present or not. And when we sense they're not present, we don't actually trust them. And when you lose trust, you lose the potential for charisma. So power. Power can be resource-based like money or influence or position, but it's so much more than that too. Because it's, again, all about perception, changing, for instance, how you take up and use space can uh, send power messages just as effectively, if not more so than dropping your platinum card accidentally, which actually is super lame. So don't do that. Okay. think Don Draper, John Hamm. And this is a tough one for us, ladies. And we're going to talk about this another day. because when we take up space by how we move or how we dress or we speak, we often get a lot of flack. We get judgment. Okay? So, full recognition of that there. So, and in the upcoming digital courses, we're gonna take that head on too. But that's a bit about power. Now, let's talk about warmth. Think of warm lights versus cool lights. Okay? Which is the one that most people say makes them feel cozy. Warm, it's not a tough concept. We already use the words warm and cool to denote behavior, right? She gave you a warm smile or a cool demeanor. We instantly know what that means as English speakers. So yes, warmth and charisma is is really about how much you give the impression that you like someone and there's also an implied feeling that you kind of got their back. Of course, this does not mean that Michelle Obama, a warm Michelle Obama meeting means that she's going to pay your mortgage. That's not what this means. But to me, okay, warmth is where the proverbial rubber hits the theoretical road. It's not something that can be faked. Not really. Humans are just too skilled at reading body language, and this is where warmth truly lives. So this was just a really quick and dirty breakdown of the ideas behind charisma and the debates that rage in its midst. Trust me when I say there is a lot more we can chat about. So now we're gonna address the elephant in the room. So at the start, we had these sort of ephemeral definitions. And then now we have this quite explicitly concrete set of charisma symptoms, a la Fox Caban. So now we've got a really interesting question on our hands. So are charisma symptoms a descriptive set or a prescriptive set? So to rephrase, is Fox simply defining or describing something that exists in the wild, something people are born with? Or, and this is much more to my point, is what she's doing um, a prescription for how to contract or get or come down with charisma. In other words, can charisma be taught? Wait for it. Yes. Yeah, it can. You're not going to end up with Chris Hemsworth level charisma by taking lessons but you can definitely unleash a whole lot more than you think you're capable of or that you're even using right now but remember it's going to be your version of charisma if you attempt if you attempt to imitate or be like someone else including famous someone else's you're doomed so the learning required for charisma doesn't actually start with Fox's list of presence, power, and warmth. It actually ends there. So that's going to be something that we're going to talk about in the future. So if you want to find out more about how you can start developing your own brand of charisma through exploring your via values and your big vision and your own voice get in touch with me you don't need to wait so remember you can have or hone your charisma and with scalpel in hand you can choose your path as a surgeon of course so go forth be amazing